This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. The ESV, it reads as such. It says, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And afterward, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, maker and creator of all good and perfect gifts, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, the, the God who sits high and looks low, the God who's concerned about everything that concerns us, the God who died on Calvary's cross, ascended on high and sent back the Holy Spirit. It's to you, O oh God, that we come this morning calling upon you right now, Lord, to have your way in this place. As the choir just sang, Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, Marco needs you right now, Lord. Allow him to stay seated in the back and let your spirit stand up in me right now and have your way. Let your word go forth, Lord, as never before. Let your word go forth afresh and anew. Pour out your spirit in this place. That someone comes running, I yield, I yield. I can't hold out any longer. Let your word break yokes. Let your word be a chain breaker. Let your word break hearts. Let your word transform lives on today. And Lord, when you've done all you promised you would do, we'll be ever so careful to give your name to praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I had to give this morning's lesson a title, I would simply entitle it The Goat. We know the goat as the greatest of all time. And here as we read today's scripture in Mark 12, we see one of those questions humans love to ask what I like to call mega questions or, or the greatest questions. What was the greatest world empire in, in history? The Greeks, the Romans, the, the Ottoman Empire, or, or in, in this modern day, the American Empire, who was the greatest leader? Jesus, Muhammad, Moses, 
Augustus Caesar. We know the answer to that. Who was the greatest American leader? Was it Washington, Lincoln, Kennedy, King, Obama? We do the same thing in sports. Who's the greatest baseball player? Was it Babe Ruth, Willie Mays, Ty Cobb, Hank Aaron? Who's the greatest football player? Jim Brown, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, Walter Payton. Who's the greatest basketball player? Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Kareem, LeBron, Kobe. The, the, the questions keep coming. Rather it be about cars or movies, books, musicians. We want to know who or what is the greatest. The interest in the greatest, the mega questions, is not anything new. Goes back even to the time of Jesus. And we see here in our scripture text, one of the ancient leaders, the scribes, asked the Lord about the most important or the greatest of the commandments. Now, Lord, as usual, always giving more than we asked, did not give him one. He gave him two, telling him that all the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Both commands are grounded in our responsibility to love. We are to love God supremely and to love our fellow man genuinely. Our response to these two commands exposes our hearts. For the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Not only exposes our heart, it lays bare our souls and reveals what matters most to us. What it is that we really cherish, what it is that is of supreme value in our lives. If you look closely with me at the first few verses, we'll see the scripture explain itself. As I said earlier, we are commanded to love God supremely. In verse 28 through 30, we see the scribe, a religious lawyer, come to Jesus. He had overheard the Lord disputing with some other Jewish leaders, and he saw that Jesus answered them well. So without malice, this man asked Jesus a question that was often batted around in religious circles. As I look in my mind's eye, as I've been to many a minister's conference, we tend to get together and, 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 and what I call chop it up or chew the fat. And we ask these great theological questions I can see in my sanctified imagination, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, toying with this question, which is the greatest commandment, command which is most important of all. This is not as easy as it sounds. The rabbinic tradition had identified 613 commands in the first five books of the Bible. Of these, 365 were negative and 248 were positive. Some were light, making less demand, while others were viewed as heavy with severe repercussions for disobedience. So this scribe asked Jesus to declare himself. Now Lord gladly obliges and, and his answer takes us to the core of what really matters in life. First point in today's lesson, we see right here in verse 29. We simply must love God for who he is. Jesus quote what Israel called the Shema. You can find that in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This confession was recited every, recited daily by every devout Jew, morning and evening. It was as important to Judaism as the Lord's Prayer or the Apostles' Creed is to Christianity. The Lord Yahweh, our God, Elohim, the Lord Yahweh is one. Here is the heart and soul of the Hebrew faith. Yes, of Christianity. Yahweh is God's covenant name declared to his people. Yahweh is our God and our only God. Yahweh is one. He is unified and unique in essence and existence. He alone is God and there is no other. This is a powerful statement of uniqueness and exclusivity. Our God is God alone and our worship, our love, our devotion, and our allegiance must be exclusively to God or he will not accept it. Teachers and theologians could debate all they want, but Jesus begins by bringing them all back to the fundamentals, the non-negotiables of the faith. We should love this God because of who he is. He is our God. What kind of God is he? Exodus 34 verses 6-7 describes him as perfect in his gracious love and his pure justice. Furthermore, the context of the Shema is instructive. To love God is to obey his commandments and statutes all the days of your life. If we look back at Deuteronomy 6-2, we'll see this. To love God means you will teach these commandments to your children and grandchildren. When you sit down, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up throughout the day, remembering he is the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. See, Egypt is a type of the world. And, 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 and I know some of our, uh, 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 what I call carnal Christians, if there is such a thing, we, we still have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And that foot in the world is standing on a banana peel. We're getting ready to slip, or as the old saints would say, backslide. But understand that God who brought us out of the world and brought us out of the, the slavery and the bondage of sin, we are to love God supremely, and that means we must not follow any other gods. The gods of the people around us. For the Lord your God, Yahweh, your Elohim, he is among you, he is our Emmanuel, God with us because Yahweh is a jealous God. Not only must we love God for who he is, but we must love God for with all you are. Verse 30. The repetition of the word all in verse 30 emphasizes the comprehensive nature of how we are to love Yahweh, our Elohim. The Lord, our God, we're to love him with all. Four times it's stated there. And I've studied that word and I've broke it down. I've looked it up in the Hebrew. I've looked it up in the Greek. And you know what I found out? All, all means is all. With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That means loving with everything. Calls for 
total response of love and devotion to God. Indeed, our heart, soul, mind, and strength are not intended as a psychological analysis of human personality, but it is a call to love God wholly and completely. It does not take much of a man to be a believer, but it takes all of him. Heart speaks of our emotions, it, the real me on the inside, the, 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 the who I am when nobody's watching. The soul speaks to the spirit, the, the self-conscious life. The mind speaks to our intelligence and our thought life. People talk about blind faith, but the word of God lays out the evidence for our belief in who Jesus really is. So we don't have to take him blindly. We can take an intelligent approach to our belief. Strength speaks to our bodily power, and perhaps even our will. There is overlap in these categories, but I declare to you, God is never satisfied with anything less than the devotion of our whole life for the whole duration of our life. Amen. Comparing a man's love for his wife gives us insight into his love for God. You can ask some questions of Yourself, How do you love God in comparison to your spouse? If you're not married, maybe you can think about your boo or your bae or whatever they call them nowadays. Is the Lord your all-consuming passion of your life? Do you have a deep, intense, and abiding affection for the Lord? Are you loyal to your God with an exclusive love? Do you resist or even oppose anything or anyone that seeks to do your Lord harm? Are you zealous to defend with grace your Lord's name and honor? Do you enjoy spending time with your Lord? Do you do things that please your Lord and increase his joy? Do you brag on your Lord to others? I know y'all brag about y'all boo. That's my boo. He tall, dark, and handsome. Look at him. Do you tell your Lord you love him? Do you talk with your Lord as much as you can? Remember, these are not things to get God to love us. These are things we do because we are loved by him and because we love him. We love him because he first loved us. Not only are we commanded in the scripture to love God supremely, but we are commanded, verses 31 through 34, the second command Jesus gives, he says we are commanded to love others genuinely. As is so often the case, Jesus always gives us more than we ask. The religious Lawyer asks which command is the most important. Jesus tells them there are two that go together. How you respond to the first, that's loving God, will determine how you respond to the second, loving your neighbor. When you obey the second, it shows that you have embraced the first. Jesus shows us that love actually defines the lawful life, and he shows us that the law actually defines the loving life. When Jesus says all the laws boil down to 
Love God and neighbor, he is saying we have not fulfilled the law by simply avoiding what the law prohibits, but we must also do and be what the reality of the law is and what the law is really after, and that is namely love. Such love is legitimately selfish. Look at verse 31. Jesus there is quoting the scriptures from Deuteronomy, but here in verse 31, he adds Leviticus 19.18. Leviticus 19.18 complements Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Growing out of my love for God, I love those who have been created by him in his image. We look over in Luke. We see Jesus, after teaching this particular parable, went into the parable of who our neighbor really is. Neighbor is not used here as a restrictive sense, but all humanity, even my enemies, are in view as Jesus talks about our neighbor. Some would wrongly think that Jesus is saying, telling us actually to be selfish and to selfishly love ourselves. How do we make sense of this? One, there is a healthy kind of self-love that recognizes that we are the objects of both the creating and the redeeming love of our God. To hate myself, to not love myself is an offense to God and it calls into question God's wisdom and his goodness. Two, the love a person naturally has for himself is, is now being turned inside out. It is being turned toward others, as Jesus is describing. Three, the fact that this is a command, not a suggestion. It makes clear that the primary focus is on our actions and not our feelings. Love is not a feeling, it is a commitment, it is a choice to do even that which feels unnatural, even that that feels uncomfortable at times. And four, there is certainly a mysterious paradox for the same Jews, Jesus who tells us to love ourselves also tells us to deny ourselves and to die to ourselves. Find that back in Mark 8.34. But the more I rightly love myself, the more I will deny myself and love others. I will serve the needs of others with all the energy, passion, and zeal with what I attempt to love myself. With all the energy, passion, and zeal that I attempt to meet my own needs, I will deny myself and meet the needs of others. However, only by loving my God supremely will I be able to love others. All others, genuinely. Because see, see, we sing the song that Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you, so you're easy to love. But he commands us to love even those that don't have Jesus in them. And sometimes that's not so easy. No wonder Jesus said, there is no other commandment greater than these. If I demonstrate my love for others by loving God supremely. In a sermon preached at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in February of 2012, Don Carson helped us see what it means to love others genuinely. He encouraged us to examine the context surrounding Leviticus 19.18. You go back a few verses, you see 
where he's showing that loving your neighbor as yourself means that you will care for the poor. It means that you will not steal and you will not lie. It means that you'll be fair in your business dealings. It means you'll care for the deaf, care for the blind, and deal justly with all. It means you'll avoid slander. You'll not jeopardize the life of your neighbor. You'll not harbor hatred against your brother. And if necessary, you'll rebuke your neighbor for his good and yours. And you will not take revenge or bear a grudge against any other. So I think about this list that Pastor Carson shared, I simply say, wow. For see, God doesn't leave it to our imaginations as to what he means when he tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. Not only is loving others genuinely legitimately selfish, to love others genuinely, such love is a true sacrifice. If you look at verses 32 and 33, the scribe responds with delight. He affirms Jesus' creedal confession of the exclusive monotheism of the one true God. He affirms the comprehensive of the comprehensive love, devotion, and worship. Our God is worthy to receive, and he adds an insight that drew the praise and applause of Jesus. To love God supremely and our neighbor genuinely is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Real religion ultimately is a matter of the heart. As I said earlier, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. See, religion that's full of rules and rituals, it's not what it's about. But it's about a real relationship with a real God who wants us to love real people. Religious rituals always must give way to the superiority of a right relationship with God and others. See, as we look at the cross, in order for our vertical relationship with God to be right, our horizontal relationship with our brothers must be right. But how can, how can we say that we love God whom we've never seen and we don't love our brother who we see every day? Rituals have no real meaning unless they are the expression of our love for Jesus and others. We see this, this spiritual insight is echoed throughout the Old Testament at numerous times. Over in 1 Samuel, then Samuel said, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Proverbs says, doing what is righteous and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And Hosea says, for I desire loyalty and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Not only is such love legitimately selfish and such love must cause us to sacrifice, such love is crucial to salvation. Look down at verse 34. It says, Jesus was pleased with the scribe's answer. He told the man, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now, what did Jesus mean by this? I'm glad you asked. It is not 
you are close, so try harder. Rather, the man has come to see that entering the kingdom of God is a matter of heart devotion and not hard duty. Amen. We can't work our way into the kingdom. Obeying rules and regulations will never get me into the kingdom because I can never measure up to God's perfect standard. What we need is a, a new us. I need a new me. I need a new heart. I need the grace and mercy of my God who can make me a new creation in Christ. I need to draw near to Jesus who has brought the kingdom of God near. One draws near and enters the kingdom not by religion but by relationship with Jesus. A relationship that results in loving God supremely and loving others genuinely. As I close, I want you to reflect on these things. The cross tells us that Jesus loves God supremely. It tells us he loves us genuinely. This is why the Holy Spirit moved John to write over in 1 John 4, verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in his way. God sent his own his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. To love God is to love others. To love others is to love God. Two great commandments, two great loves. For the past two or three months, our pastor has been preaching this very same thing. He has been preaching that if we really love God, we would love others. We would love them enough to tell them about Jesus. How can we say that we love God and we've got the cure for the cancer known as sin and we don't tell nobody about it? We have to be unashamed of the gospel of Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. See, the die has been cast. The decision has been made. I've stepped over the line. I won't look back, let up, slow down, or back away. My past is redeemed. My presence makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame vision, mundane talking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, positions, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, praised, regarded, recognized or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, live by prayer, and labor with power. My face is set, my gate is fast. My goal is heaven, my road is narrow. My way is rough, my companions are few. My God is reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of me mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up and spoken up for the cause of Christ. I must go till he comes, give till he drop, preach till all know and work till he stops me and when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me for my banner is clear. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. God bless you. Remain connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. 
Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website, firstafricanbc.com. You may also contribute through an app called Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us. <laughs>